Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Welcome to our online services. Before we begin, let me just remind you that Pastor Melissa, our children's pastor, uh, has a teaching for all of our kids at South Coast Christian, and you can find it on our church website, uh, southcoastchristian.com, under the ministry tab. Also, uh, the youth will be once again live streaming coming up this Wednesday at 7 p.m. And you can join them uh, through southcoastchristian.com as well. And uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of activity. In fact, Brett was sharing that some of the uh, youth have been sharing with their friends, hey, join us online. And, and I encourage you uh, that you could actually invite your friends, some people by, who might never come to our church uh, physically right now, you could actually invite them to come to church online. So we encourage you to take that opportunity as well. Um, this past week, uh, we also included a chat room, and we encourage you to use that chat room uh, as I'm speaking and chat with other friends and, and get acquainted once again with our community. We encourage you to be a part of that as well. Um, today, I just want to remind you before uh, uh, I usually do offering at the end of the message, but today I want to do it here at the beginning. And I just want to say uh, I'm just grateful and thankful for all of you who have been continuing to support the church through your tithes and giving. This last week, we actually sent out uh, some envelopes to those who give by check, but you can also give online on our church app um, at, at South Coast Christian, and so we'd love for you to do that. But thank you for your faithfulness as, uh, as our expenses continue forward. Um, so we do need your giving, we do need your help, and so we thank you for uh, being so generous. Um, today is Palm Sunday. And uh, so it feels weird being in an empty building on Palm Sunday. But I want to just encourage you this Palm Sunday to celebrate Christ and his entrance into Jerusalem. Let's celebrate his entrance into our lives. In fact, uh, usually today we are taking communion. And so I encourage you in your home, you can take communion as a family. Uh, Be a part of one another and and take time to break bread. Take time, find some juice inside your fridge, Bring your family around together and just take a moment uh, where you can spend time with the Lord and celebrate what he did for you and for me through his Passover, through his death on the cross, and through his resurrection. As we get started today, I want to take uh, just a moment to pray over our church and over our nation. Um, I was thinking about it this week, and it's been on my heart for a while. In the Old Testament, there are instructions uh, given on how God's people should respond in times of crisis. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And the Lord speaks to Solomon these words. He says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. This was a promise that was given to the nation of Israel, God's people. It's a great reminder that we really have a similar, that we really have, that we are really small in our current situation and how mighty our God truly is. Our response in crisis should be one of humility, prayer, and repentance. I'm praying that God's people will take advantage of this time where we will gather together in our homes and we will humble ourselves and we will pray for our nation. If this pandemic 
If, it, if there's one good positive thing that comes out of this pandemic, if it draws us closer to God, if it draws people close, closer to Christ, then guess what? There's something positive that comes about from it. Um, let's just pray for just a moment. Join me in prayer uh, in your homes there. And let's pray for our church and for our nation. Lord, we come together right now in the name of Jesus and we humble ourselves before you. And God, we pray, Lord God, that you would have complete control, Lord God. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins, that we, that we repent of those wrong things that we have done in our lives, Lord God. As a nation, Lord God, we turn towards you, Lord God. And I pray this church, Lord God, would be a leading church, Lord God, of repentance, of prayer. And Lord God, that you would hear says in your scripture that you will hear us from heaven. God, I pray this prayer. We love you and we put you first in our lives, Lord God. This prayer would be heard, Lord God, and that you would redeem, that you would restore, Lord God, what is trying to be taken, God. We pray blessing over each family, Lord God, over this church, Lord God, and over our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This is our last week in the sermon series in the know. And today I want to answer two questions. But before we dive uh, into those questions, I want to read from 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. So take the time to go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, We're not going to have it on the screen right now. So grab your Bibles, uh, get those in front of you. 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Uh, This is the Apostle John writing this scripture. It's one of his epistles. It's one of his letters uh, to the people that that for an encouragement, and I want to read this to you today, starting in verse 1. It states, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves that the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those, catch this, only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water, And by shedding of his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by the water and blood, and the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has a a son has life, and whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So let's begin with the first question that I have for you today. The first question is this. How do I overcome evil in my life? I believe a lot of people have a tough time answering this question. How do I overcome evil in my life? How do I do that, Pastor Tom? And many people desire to make changes in their life, 
But I, I believe that many don't know how to effectively bring, effectively bring that change into their life. I believe the Apostle John shares with us a simple plan on what to follow. I think the first task is to define what is evil according to the Bible. What is evil? I think the following statement is an adequate definition of evil. It's anything that con- contradicts the holiness of God. David writes in Psalms chapter 51, verse 4, he says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. As a parent of three children when they were younger, what I would consider disobedience in their lives would be something that where they would not obey my rules or they would not be obedient to the things that I had put into plan. They wouldn't obey the standard that I had set. Sin or evil are, is the same thing. It's a contradiction against God's authority or his instruction. God has a standard that must be achieved to be considered one of his children. He doesn't just adopt anyone into his family. He has a cr- criteria that must be met. If you don't meet that criteria, then guess what? You're not accepted into his family. Some people don't like this whole idea. Some people, don't, they struggle with that whole thought that God wouldn't accept their standard. But that's how it works. The standard is set by God, not by me, not by you, not by anyone else. The standard is set by God. Evil is defined according, not to our standard, but his standard. Goodness is defined according to his standard, not our standard. Look at the verse again in, in verse 4 of Psalms chapter 51. What is evil in his sight? Not our sight, his sight. To be in God's family, you have to accept God's standard. Otherwise, chaos rules in your family. Chaos is a land where there is no rules. It's a land where everything is permissible. Can you imagine living in a world where everything is permissible? Where you live in a land where, where murder is permissible, where abuse is permissible, where abandonment is okay, where all these other things are acceptable. Let me share a side note. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing my message. If your family is struggling with chaos, maybe it's because there's been no standard set in your family to follow. I'll say it again. If your family is struggling with chaos, maybe there's never been a standard that has been set for your family to follow or for your family to live by. I have a craftsman tool set that I got probably 30 years ago. It's a, you know, it has a metric system, it has a standard system, and it's one of those plastic black cases that you fold up and it has these two little plastic clips that you lock it in place. And every once in a while, this happened two or three times where all of a sudden something comes loose and I went to lift it up and all of a sudden around the garage floor, everything falls out. And if you're one of the guys and you work on something, you know what I'm talking about. And it's scattered around the garage and it feels like chaos. Well, that's sometimes how our lives can feel when we don't have a standard or a set of rules that we can live by in our lives. Look at it again in verse 12. What is evil in his sight? Maybe, maybe, you don't, maybe you do have standards. So maybe you don't have chaos in your life, but maybe there's confusion in your life. Confusion is caused because we, st- we change our standards. This doesn't create chaos. Many times what it does, it creates confusion. And it, because it's, a diffi- it's difficult to measure success or failure when your standards are cha- changing. If, if all of a sudden the standards continue to change, guess what? It's going to be really, really hard to measure success or measure failure. Back in the days, uh, 
years ago when the U.S. automobiles were transitioning over to the metric system because they were standard systems. And, and you would go to work on your cars. And I used, there was a day I used to work on my cars. I don't anymore. But when I used to work on my cars, you know, I'd go to, to fix something and, and the car would be, have both the standard and the metric. And I never knew if the bolt I was looking at would be standard or metric. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies who work on cars, maybe you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden you get so frustrating it gets so confusing. And that's what happens in our life when we don't have a standard to live by. The Apostle John is sharing some really important truth. He's trying to put us into the know that we need to have a standard that we can live by. So let me share with you today about God's standard. God's standard is perfect, 100% holy. There is no confusion. He set that standard for us to live by. The problem is this, that guess what? We live in a sinful world, and I'm looking at you today. There is no perfect family out there. We all have some chaos in our lives. We all have some confusion in our lives. But God's family is perfect, and we should desire for God's family to be perfect. Why, why would we desire for God's family to be perfect? Because think of how great it would be to live in a family of perfect love where there is no jealousy, where there is no hate, where there is no confusion, where there is no misunderstanding, where, there, where all these things that we struggle with today, those things disappear because we live in the family of God with 100% perfection. How awesome would that be? Think of how much more we could accomplish and achieve in a perfect environment of love. God's family is perfect and his standard is holiness. It's a life without sin. And God's standard, guess what? God's standard does not change. He is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. You can find great comfort in a standard that doesn't change. Methods might change, but his standard does not. So then the question would be, Pastor Tom, and I'm hearing you guys say it right now, how could I ever live up to a perfect standard, Pastor Tom? How could I ever achieve that standard? I might as well just give up and walk away now because I'm not, I already know that I have failed. I've already failed the test, Pastor Tom. How can I do this? Well, let's be clear. We all have struggled with sin and many of us still struggle with sin at times. In fact, we do. All of us have some kind of struggle with sin and we're, we're, we're fighting through that. But this is why the Apostle Paul makes it very clear in Romans 3.23, he says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all do. So let's return to the question. How do I overcome evil in my life? The simple answer is this. You don't. God does. You don't. God does. He's the one. He's the one that overcomes sin in your life. For this statement... For some of you, it's going to be liberating. For others, it's going to cause a lot of frustration. For those who feel liberated, it's because you realize you can never live up to the standard that God has set. You already know. You see that. You realize it. You know that you've already failed. For those frustrated, you have not accepted that your good works are but filthy rags in the eyes of God. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. This doesn't mean that our good works go unnoticed by God. But the idea that our good works would somehow produce the standard that is needed for salvation is proof of how far short we have fallen from God's standard. 
The answer to our question today, how do I overcome evil in my life? It is through your faith in Jesus Christ, who has completed the standard that was set. In Christ alone, we find our salvation through his righteous acts. Now, it's not that we shouldn't strive to do good, but it's recognizing that any resemblance of good that does appear in our life, guess what? We give direct credit because it's the result of God's righteousness and his holiness in us. John makes it very clear in verse 5 of 1 John 5. He says, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The battle represents the sins of this world. When, when John talks about battle, he's re that's representing the sins of this world. Jesus is the only one who has defeated the sins of this world. And that includes your sin as well. He has defeated your sin. So our faith in Jesus sets us free from sin. The Apostle Paul writes it so in such a beautiful way in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Listen to these powerful words. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Your faith in Jesus sets you free from the bondage of sin. Let's go a little deeper in this passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 5. If you look, if you have your Bible still open there, you can look in verses 6 through 10. And Jesus states that, that, that because it states that Jesus was, reveal, was revealed as God's son by three things, by baptism of water, by the shedding of his blood, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. John writes that these events represent three witnesses and they are all in agreement. This goes way beyond just human testimony because there were people that, have, that were, they were there on Palm Sunday when they were welcoming Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. There were people there at the crucifixion of Jesus. They saw him actually being crucified. There were people there when they went to the tomb and the tomb was empty and, and Jesus came later on and, and he met with the, the disciples. He met with Mary and Martha. There was people there that were eyewitnesses that Jesus is the son of God. But this testimony speaks of God himself. Let me share these three things. We know at Jesus' water baptism, the sky opened and it was the Father who said, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. This is the Son I love who I'm well... This is, this is the Father, the Heavenly Father giving testimony that Jesus is my Son. He is the Son of God. We also know at the moment that Jesus came out of the water, guess what? The Holy Spirit descended down like a dove on Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness for testing. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus throughout his ministry. And when Jesus promised his disciples that there would be a day, the day of my ascension, that after my ascension, guess what? I'm going to come back. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to come back and fill you with my power. With my power. It's the Holy Spirit that's testifying this is God's son. Finally, we know that Jesus himself shed his blood on the cross. Can I ask you a question? Why would anybody 
ever shed their blood on a cross? Why would anybody ever go to the cross and die such a painful death if he did not know that he was truly the son of God? That, that, his, that his death would bring, bring redemption to all of mankind? We wouldn't do that unless we actually knew that it was worthwhile. No one would die for no reason. Jesus sacrificed his life for you and for me. This represents three witnesses. What does that mean for you and for me? It's confirmation that as followers of Jesus, God's children, we don't have to fear sin. We don't have to have the fear that sin is going to defeat us because guess what? Jesus has already defeated sin. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. The criteria of God's standard of holiness is not dependent upon ourselves. Guess what? It's dependent upon Jesus. And he's already met the standard. And we live, by, we live under his righteousness to meet that standard. As we continue to embrace Jesus, then the desire for sin continues to disappear from our lives because God's spirit dwells within us. God is transforming us by the power of his spirit. Now, it's interesting as you read verses 1 through 5 there, you'll see another measurement that John includes in this passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 5. He makes mention that there's a way that we can measure our love. How do we measure our love for God? Is we measure it by how we love others. If you truly love Jesus, then your measurement for your love for God is by how you love others. The second question that I want to answer today is this. How do I know that I have eternal life? I remember as a kid, that was one of the things that I was always struggled with. How do I know that I am saved? How do I know that I truly have eternal life? Once again, it's a simple answer. It's the same formula as I shared before. It's through your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look again at verse 11, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And it states this, and this is what God has tes testified. He has given us his eternal life, and this life is in his son. Many times we try to make things way more complicated than necessary. I'm, I'm really good at that. I try to think, make things so complicated. But God has put together a plan that is so simple that all of us should be able to follow that so easily. I've heard that many of you parents out there have all of a sudden become teachers. Uh, that you're having to teach your children. And I've heard the struggle. I've heard the struggle from my neighbor, Christine, where she goes, I don't know how to do this. My niece, I found out she's teaching her three kids and she's struggling. She's asking for help. How do I do this? I, in fact, guess what? We're going to have a greater appreciation for our teachers than ever before once we get through this whole pandemic. But many times we lack appreciation for something until we are put into the position of trying to accomplish the task from our own ability or strength. Many times we lack that appreciation until we have to try to do it. You see, Christ did it for us. We don't have to try to meet that standard. Now, we need to try to do our best to live good lives, but we're never gonna be perfect. And Jesus knew that, God knew that. That's why he sent his son from heaven to earth for you and for me, because he had 100% confidence that his son could meet the standard. even though that we can't. That's how much he loves you. This is real love. 
that he loved us while we were still sinners. Christ died for you and for me. Old Testament believers who were trying to follow the letter of the law knew firsthand how impossible that would be. And those who tried to continue to find their salvation through the law, they just were deceiving themselves by lying to themselves. They knew that they fell short of God's glorious standard. So God in his infinite wisdom sent his son Jesus Christ to save the world. He knew his son could accomplish the mission. All that is required from you and from me is that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that we put our faith and hope in Him and recognize that our efforts fall short of God's standard that is needed. By taking this action of faith, we are guaranteed eternal life. Listen to what John writes in verses 12 and 13 of 1 John chapter 5 in confirmation to our eternity. Remember the question, how do I know that I have eternity? Whosoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Pretty simple. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. John is writing this to you. If you believe in the name of the Son of God, he's writing this message to you. So that you may know, we're in this series called In the Know. John is saying, so that you may know that you have eternal life. What a magnificent plan. What a wonderful, what a wonderful promise that God has given to you and to me. And I want to declare to you today, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then not only have you been set free from the bondage of sin, but guess what? You have eternal life. Today, I want to challenge you. Walk in confidence that you are part of God's family that you are a child of God. You're not walking in pride. No, no, no. You're just walking in the confidence of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And if you don't know Christ, maybe you're watching this program today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, it is so simple. All you have to do, and you can close your eyes right now and just say this prayer, Lord Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I repent of the wrongs that I have done. Come into my life. I believe in you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. That's all it takes. All you have to do is to believe. It's not a complicated plan. You just have to believe in Jesus. As John writes in verse 13, I close with this statement. I have written this to you so that you may know you are in the know. You have been forgiven and you now have eternal life. We're going to do something a little different today. I asked the band to be here as I'm sharing and they're going to close us out in a prayer today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.